Hello, everyone, and welcome to Novel. This is your host, Caleb Linville. It's been a little while since I've done one of these commentary episodes, but here I am again with Mati. How you doing, Mati? Ah, great, Caleb. Thank you. And you know, it was a lot of fun working with Jonathan and Shannon on the last two commentary episodes. And for all the listeners out there, if you've not heard those yet, then go back and and listen to them. Uh, Jonathan and Shannon, both very insightful, and it's just an honor to get to work with the three of you. Yeah, there some good conversations came out of those two episodes for sure. Well, episode seven. Wow, so much has happened. You know, if I think back over the previous six episodes about all this little, the little hints and the the threads of thematic ideas and all of the the clues and how things have slowly unveiled, but still we see more of those sorts, same sorts of clues in episode seven that we saw in the previous six episodes. We know so much more than we did, but still there's so much to sort out, so many mysteries to solve. Oh yeah, the mysteries just keep piling up. What's cool about this episode, though, is we learn a lot more about Mac, who up until this point has been sort of a mystery character. Yeah, that's true. And I think we learn more about the mountains themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm finally beginning to get some sort of a feel for what these mountains represent. There's still some mysteries. I mean, obviously, for instance, there are the first mountains, and that's where Andrew and Mac still are. But there are also the third mountains. But there are no second mountains. Yeah. So that's, I'm, I still don't understand that. And they got to a point where Andrew, for the first time, looked out across a, a vast area and saw the third mountains, and he said something along the lines of, and there was the second mountains. No, I guess they were the third or something like that. I'm like, well, what's up with that? Where are the second mountains? Why, why do we go from one to three? Anyway, another mystery yet to be solved. But maybe we should rewind just a little bit to where the previous episode six ended to kind of tie all this together. Yeah, it'd probably be good. Okay. So episode six was when... Uh, Mac and Andrew were on the mountain of the fog where the forgetting people were. Yeah, the forgetting mountain. Mm, Okay. And as they're coming down off that mountain, remember that Mac almost had to carry Andrew because it was such a trying experience for Andrew. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Andrew there was tempted to remain comfortable in his, his kind of forgetting memories until he would forget even who he himself was. But he decided instead that he had to continue his quest. They had to continue the journey, no matter how hard it was, to try to find Pearl. Yes. So it was kind of like Andrew survived a major test. I'm not going to call it the first test, because I think he's been tested over and over again throughout this whole series. Definitely. But he survived a major test that left him almost broken. But then episode seven starts, and it seems that he's rejuvenated some. And they've decided to head on toward the third mountains to try to find Pearl. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Caleb, if you have any insights for us. Why are there no second mountains? You know, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, one of those, it's one of those things where there's not really much given as to why. Um, 
there might be some some numerical symbolism tied in it somehow, but it might also just be Shannon's wit. So it's <laughs> it's hard to say. Well, maybe we'll get to talk to Shannon again, and I can ask her directly. But I'll go ahead and come up with some crazy ideas, okay? Um, one is that three stands for completion. Mm-hmm. It's like the final, right? And so maybe that's why the, the third mountains have to be the third, but it doesn't explain where the second went. Yeah, I don't know. I, As I was writing the music for episode five, I guess it was, uh, when we were first introduced to the valley where the valley girl is, I had this weird thought go through my head that maybe that's where the second mountains were. They were in that valley and that the chaos of the river took them out at some point. But that was just a random thought that I had. Hmm. Interesting. That could even be the origin of the Valley Girl. Could have been, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we're we're really grasping at straws here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. That's what's so much fun about this series is there's so many things like that. And I don't know if they're all going to be resolved or not, but there's so many things to wonder about. Yes. So Mac and Andrew start to head down the other side of the mountain from where the Valley Girl had been. The Forgetting Mountain? Yeah. Well, the Forgetting Mountain, but they came, I think they came back toward the saddle or a different saddle. I'm not sure which. Anyway, but the Valley Girl was on one side in one valley and they headed the other way. Yeah. And so this was where Andrew was able to see the third mountains. But before they got that far, he he goes through this amazing, you know, we have all these kind of vision or dream sequences. And this time, Andrew and Mac pause and Andrew leans up against a boulder and Mac shares one of his memories with Andrew, but in a vision sequence, which is almost like Andrew had become Mac. So Andrew experiences Mac's memory in the first person. Yeah, it's sort of weird. It's sort of like out of Harry Potter or something. <laughs> well, I had to uh, I had to rewind and listen to it a couple of times to truly understand what was going on. But it was kind of like Andrew became Mac in the memory for a little bit, and we learn this is where we learn so much about Mac. Yeah. So what's going on with Mac, Caleb? Well, in Mac's memory, we learned that Mac, you know, had a relatively normal life. He was a a father. Um, at one point, we he had a wife, although we don't know what happened to her. Um, and then he has a daughter named Julia. And he also has a dad, a, a, a abuelo, which means a grandfather, I guess, referring to Julia's relationship with um, that character. And a lot of this first, the first half of that memory is really just, is really establishing the strong um, parent-child relationship that Mac had with Julia. And it almost explains why Andrew had to experience this memory in the first person. Because when Andrew experiences Julia... He experiences the the relationship, the love that a father has for a daughter 
that Andrew had never experienced. So he could never feel that unless he were inside of max emotions, so to speak. But Julia was described as a very loud girl who played with everybody, and even when she played alone, she was very happy. And she'd be um, jumping rope, and then Mac went to pick her up, and she ran into Mac's arms and crashed into his chest and hugged, and Andrew, for the first time, realized what a father's love for a daughter could be like, which I thought was pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I get it, too. I mean, I have a daughter, and I can't imagine how to describe a father's love for a daughter without having experienced it myself. Yeah, well, I don't have a daughter, so I guess <laughs> I guess I'll be I'm looking forward to experiencing that someday. Well, and this really is key because in the next scene Mac and Julia the daughter are in the pickup truck headed down this highway and it's kind of a curvy tricky highway through the trees and the lighting is confusing and it's it's kind of hard to keep the truck between the the lines, and there are a lot of blind spots and blind corners and glaring light, and Andrew is experiencing Julia singing this wonderful song, Just So Happy, and then we find out what happened. And it ends up being the reason that Mac is in these mountains. Yeah. We're not sure exactly what happened to Mac, but it had something to do with the whole strange situation the blind curves and the tricky light and i don't know about you but when you're driving through a forest and the light is flashing through the trees like that it makes me dizzy like that's one of the worst um lightings i think to to drive through because it can be it can be hypnotizing and uh, things like that but um, something happens to Mac, he starts to black out, he gets some tunnel vision, and then all of a sudden he's on the wrong side of the road and there are headlights in the windshield. Right. And Shannon did such a, an artful job of describing what ends up being an accident where Julia dies. Um, but she does so in a way that just so clearly identifies the the details that we remember in such tragic events without understanding the whole. Mm -hmm. It's like the parts don't all add up, but we know the outcome. Yeah. And the outcome is largely overwhelming emotion. And uh, by the way, your music right there, it goes from this happy scene, it was sunlight and Julia singing to the tragedy of the moment, and it just metamorphizes on its own. It's magical the way that the music does that and just leaves you, well, realizing what true tragedy is and how it can interrupt life as we know it so unexpectedly. And so anyway, it was it's an amazing scene. It's tragic. It's sad. And then Andrew returns from his vision, and he's sweating, and he's been digging his fingers into the dirt, and he looks up at Mac, and now he knows Mac's tragedy Yeah, the reason Mac is in the mountains, Mm. to some degree at least. The interesting thing is that at this point, just like with Andrew, we don't know if Mac is dead or alive. That's true. We really don't. And at at least with Mac, we have an event that could have been a death event, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? We don't know if it was or not. We know it was for Julia. Yeah. 
But with Andrew, we never saw that. We don't know if Andrew had a death event or not. And they keep on talking about transitioning, being called to the mountains, and transitioning from the first mountains to the third mountains, and the places where you can stay. And there are all these kinds of ideas about people that stay in the first mountains um, that, that until they're done with them, and then they just move on. And it's still so mysterious. It's a journey, but it's not a journey of location, I don't think, as much as it is a journey of awareness or a journey of being, even. Changing your being, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. Being in the first mountains is about processing through stuff, through... um, your inner demons, so to speak, whatever it, whatever it is that holds you back from being ready from the th- for the third mountains potentially, or being ready for you know living life more fully. Well, you know, we skipped over a couple of things that might be important, so I want to move on to the people that Mac and Andrew meet as they're traveling down into this new valley. But before we do, I think we have to rewind a little bit. There's some other things. Um, as Mac and Andrew were, were walking together, then Andrew started thinking about Pearl's friends. And I call them Pearl's friends because it became clear that Andrew was always kind of quiet, introverted, and, and it seemed like he was always acquaintances with the friends that were Pearl's. Yeah. If that makes sense. And specifically, um, there's one man, a couple, but one man brought up named Ernest, and it was Ernest and Susan, and their last name was Indaway, and I am still confused on what all this means, because Shannon doesn't put anything in place that she hasn't thought through without some sort of a purpose. At least that's been the pattern so far. Now, Ernest is an easy name to figure out, right? Mm -hmm. Ernest meaning sincere, truthful right? The real deal. That's what I think of with Ernest. And Ernest and Andrew seem to have kind of a a shared relationship of silence, a comfortable silence, where they could just be together and not say anything. But when they spoke, it was usually because Ernest started talking about his maple syrup business and inviting Andrew to come and see it and be a part of it. Almost like Ernest was saying, this is my simple life. I'd love to share it with you sometime. Mm -hmm. You know? But What's key here is that Andrew hadn't even thought of these people for more than 20 years, and now he's thinking of these people, and he's not sure why he's thinking of these people, but he's remembering them, and he thinks, I wonder what happened to Ernest. Is he still around? Is he dead? Yeah. Is he, you know, is he in a hospital somewhere? It's It's kind of weird. It is strange, and I think it's also really significant because... It's it's like the forgetting mountain woke woke Andrew out of his um, comfortable trance, let's say, enough that he was able to think about other people and realize that you know there's more to life than living in the comfortable. And I don't know about you, but relationships of any kind though joyous and necessary, sometimes are not comfortable. And I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why uh, Andrew 
hadn't of thought of Ernest and Susan in such a long time is he was for 25 years he was only thinking the comfortable only living with the comfortable I just looked up what Susan means because I wondered if Susan as a name mattered too and I'm I'm agreeing with what you were just talking about as he's he's Andrew is transforming but I just wondered if Susan's name might add some insight into this um Susan comes from a, a word in Hebrew, which meant lily or rose, and the idea of lovely like a flower or something like that. So the name Susan is uh, another thing that's cherished, like a pearl mm-hmm. is cherished. So there's a parallel there. Yeah. And uh, a lily or a rose, that's interesting. But... I, I still keep getting the picture that even when Pearl was alive, Andrew was missing out on a lot of life. Yeah, I think that's sort of that's that is sort of the picture that's portrayed at this point in the story, as we learn more about Andrew. Well, and then it says that after Pearl died, that Susan would come and bring food to Andrew or something, you know, in, in his morning, and, and Andrew instead of conversing with her, would just kind of grunt and look down until she would leave. And it was almost like he just wasn't able to even appreciate the lily, the rose. Yeah. Or her care. And he estranged everyone and became a hermit, which we found out a few episodes ago, but that he had become a hermit. And so this forgetting mountain, the, the forgetting people, the, the mist has awakened memories and kind of extracted him from being a hermit. Yeah. One of the really interesting things I find about that part in particular is contrasting Susan to Mac. And why was it that Susan's interactions with Andrew had no effect, but Mac's near first interaction with Andrew was the first key to unlocking Andrew's past and starting his journey of processing through all of that. Well, you know what? Maybe that's one of the reasons why Andrew started remembering previous acquaintances, because he says there in his memory, in his thoughts, he's saying, well, Mac is like a friend. He's alive. He's here. He's real. Mm -hmm. And then he realizes, I haven't had a friend in decades. Yeah. And... The question then becomes, did he ever have a friend besides Pearl, right? So I don't know. It's just fun to watch Andrew wake up. And, you know, we talked a lot in previous commentaries about the idea of whether or not you're really living life, if you're really alive or if you've created a reality that allows you to avoid living the real adventure of life. But in this episode, we start to see the friendships Mm -hmm. of life. Are you open enough with others that you can be relational? You can experience the joy of going through life with others. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Max struggled with that before Pearl's death and then gave up completely when she was gone. You mean Andrew? I mean Andrew, thank you very much. (laughs) So Mac didn't have that story, right? But that was Andrew's story. 
Um, and Andrew is finding friendship in Mac when at first Andrew was afraid of Mac. He had no idea what Mac was, didn't trust him, didn't know what was going on. And little by little, Mac has completely won over Andrew now. But Mac also has started serving as Andrew's anchor yeah. in this experience. Yeah. And what I think is also cool about this is in this episode, for the first time in this whole story, we're introduced to an actual community. Probably we'll we'll find out in future episodes, we'll learn a little bit more about this community, but at this point, we can speculate that it might be the ideal community in the same way, in a sense that the Valley Girl was some form of ideal and the Forgetting Mountain was some form of ideal, maybe positive or negative ideals, but, you know, they're still the um, penultimate idea. And here we're introduced to uh, the Wildering people, which I think can represent the ideal community. You know, it was interesting because, so just to set the scene a little bit, Mac and Andrew are walking and it's starting to get dark and they see a fire in the woods. And I started remembering uh, scenes from The Hobbit where the elves were having a gathering in the woods with a bonfire. And then as soon as you would approach, they would vanish. (laughs) I don't know. But (laughs) anyway, in, in this sense, though, the people don't vanish. Instead, they welcome Mac and Andrew, but one thing I think we can't skip past is that Mac reveals to Andrew that he knew these people, that he had considered staying with them, mm-hmm. and had decided not to, and Andrew's like, well, why didn't you stay? And this is where Mac's name and purpose come back into the story. What is Mac's full name? Macario, which means blessing. And Macario tells Andrew, well, I left because of you. I was told that you would be here. Which is fascinating. Well, it's kind of like, well, did Andrew become Mac's purpose? And maybe so. I always had the impression that Mac was on that side of the mountains, kind of well into the entry point, to scoop up any journey, any, any wanderer or journeyer who came there and say, okay, let me help you out. But it's revealed that he was specifically there for Andrew. Yeah. Which adds just another layer to all of the mysteries which we're dealing with. Okay, so the the wilding people or the wildering people are, are said by Mac that they were called that because they bewildered people who were passing through, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Once again, we have a little bit of confusion introduced, but it's not it's not shown as a dark thing. No. No, Mac um, describes them as bewildering people because they just live. Everybody who's in the first mountains are have some goal in mind. They're processing. They're on some journey. They're processing through something, except the wildering people. They just live. They're in the moment. They're in the moment. Hmm. And it says of them, it describes the scene a little bit. Um, there are a lot of people, they're around a fire, there's plates of food, there's smoke, they're joyful, there's a lot of laughter. Um, there are children there too, and the children are playing a game with something 
similar to a hacky sack where they try to catch the sack between their knees. And if someone does, they tumble on the ground and jump back up again. And you get, you see dancing. And interestingly enough, there's no fuel for the fire. It's like the fire is just burning out of dark obsidian rock or something like that. Yeah. So it's kind of mysterious. And then um, a man comes from the group and greets Macario. Mm Mm-hmm. And they know each other, and he's called an elder. Yeah. So I think we're being introduced to probably the next decision point for Andrew. Will Andrew choose to stay in the moment with these people and celebrate the joys of living in the moment? Or will he pursue his ultimate quest? And it, we're, not, we're not told what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, this is a, sort of a cliffhanger moment. <laughs> and that's where the episode ends. And that's where the episode ends, yep. Mm. So we don't know anything about the Elder, except, and this is also important, when the Elder looks at Andrew, Andrew said it felt like a thousand eyes were dancing over his body and truly seeing him, perhaps for the first time. And then Andrew started having visions of his own life. A vision of when he was two and he was disciplined by his mother. A vision of when he was a teenager and beautiful girls had gone by. And a vision of his own wedding to Pearl. And a vision of riding horses with Pearl. And then the vision of Pearl when she was sick. And it says that Elder smiled and his eyes were kind. And then he said, we are storytellers and we welcome you. So this guy saw right through Andrew's Andrew's whole history, his whole story. Or made Andrew remember it. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. It's fascinating. When the elder approached Andrew, Andrew's whole story was all of a sudden brought to the surface. Interesting, too, because it took us seven episodes to get as far as we did, and this elder, in about a split second, (laughs) knows everything. But there's an insightfulness and a knowingness, and they're the storytellers. So I'm, of course, super curious about what happens next. And I think in this episode, there are not a, a lot... In this episode, there are a lot of new elements that are introduced... But there's not as much resolved, except for about Mac's history. Yes. We find out about Mac's history, and he had come to the mountains searching for Julia. That's also revealed. I don't know if we mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And it says that he quit looking. And Andrew was really upset by that. Why would Mac quit looking? And then Mac says, oh, no, 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 I didn't give up. I just realized that Julia was in the third mountains and that I would see her again when the time came but that I had stuff to do here. Yeah. I think maybe what was revealed in that was that Mac, rather than finding Julia, he found peace. I would agree with that. And it was kind of an invitation for Andrew to do the same. Mm-hmm. And then, in, and as Andrew started to be disturbed by that idea, Mac just kind of changed the subject and moved him on along, you know? But it was introduced this idea that you could find peace and wait for your ultimate future. You didn't have to make it happen by by seeking Pearl right now. Yeah, and I think that that's 
where this story is sort of pointing as we meet the Wildering people. Because I think part of being at peace is living in the moment. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's going to be fun. So I assume we're going to learn a whole lot more about that in episode eight. It's beautiful the way that Shannon has addressed so many archetypes of life, um, about truly living life, about you know the little paradigms we create that we live inside that protect us from having to live life, about the importance of friendship and knowing people, about learning to trust, about actually facing our memories, remembering things, not forgetting how that we can find comfort in being forgetful, but how in the end we forget ourselves, how there's something inside of us that holds back a flood that's both somehow good and maybe not so good, depending on the degree, through the Valley Girl. Um, the rivers, rivers representing time and life and the flow, but also power and danger. And I, I don't know, there's so much here. And now we're entering into the joy of the moment. And I guess we'll find out more about that in episode eight. I guess we will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Caleb, thank you so much for helping me explore this. It's, uh, it's always fun to visit with you. And again, Shannon, great work. I'm really enjoying it. Jonathan, great work. You're delivering it beautifully. And Caleb, the music just keeps getting better every episode. So I'm a little concerned because by the end of the series, well, you've just created a lot to live up to. I'll say it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a fun journey for sure. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening in, and uh, we invite you to continue to listen. But if you're finding this to be a fun or insightful or challenging series, then we ask that you share it with others so that they can experience this with you. And maybe the way that Caleb and I get together and try to hash things out, you could do the same with someone else or a group of friends. might be a lot of fun. Please tell everyone about Novel, When the Mountain's Called, And we'll catch you next time.